welcome to Deeper, a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. Our podcast follows the Sunday sermon and aims to help our congregations go deeper into God's Word. Hello, thank you for joining us today. You are listening to Deeper. My name is Kate Cole and I will be hosting our fourth episode in 1 Corinthians, A Perfect Mess. Today, we have Ken Davies with us. G'day, Ken. Good good day. Good day. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say good morning, but you might be listening to this at any time. That's right. It could be 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ken, have you been for a ride this morning? I have, just in the garage ah. on my trainer because it was blowing an absolute gale. <laughs> Is, is that the det- is the weather the determining factor for whether you're in the garage or you go out? Um, usually, uh, but I I do do an indoor race on Wednesday morning, so that's okay. that's just a regular thing that I do anyway. Racing your personal best or racing other people? Uh, racing other people, racing yeah. other avatars. Okay, who are linked to real people in the real world, but we all join together. All, o- all over world. the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally from all over. Yeah, right. Yeah. How'd you go today? Uh, pretty poorly. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I did some mechanical stuff on my bike the other day and, mm. and I messed it up. So, ah, shame. No excuses. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, hopefully, this episode lifts your spirits <laughs> and you'll be a winner here. <laughs> All right, let's get into 1 Corinthians 11 because this potentially could be a long episode. Potentially. Potentially. Or you could just say, I'll just <laughs> no give you answer. really short answers. <laughs> Go away and think about it for yourselves. <laughs> All right. Um, so on Sunday, we talked about head coverings and communion. Mm. Now, these aren't cherry-picked issues at all. Can you talk about how they fit into the context of the letter of 1 Corinthians? Yeah, they're certainly not cherry-picked by me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that I would have uh, put them as super high priorities in terms of thinking through, okay, what are the issues at WBC at the moment? Oh, we really need to talk about head coverings. <laughs> Um, I, and, and so I think that what, we, what we're recognising is that Paul wrote this to a church that he helped establish. Uh, he spent longer at Corinth. It's recorded that he spent there at least 18 months, probably two years. Um, it's the longest he spent anywhere at one church that he'd mm. established. So he did lots and lots of teaching. And then he's written a letter to them about some things that the issues that they've raised and they want their apostles answer on them. Some are things that people have raised within the church that are going on that they're not comfortable with. And Paul's then dealing with these whole bunch of specific things that have come out of doing life in Corinth as a Christian. Um, Some of the issues are how you relate to the world. Some of them are about how you relate to one another as Christians. And so in the first section, he's talked about a whole bunch of different things, which is what we looked at last year. In the last three weeks, he's looked at idle food and then talked about how we need to relinquish our rights and be thinking of the other. We have to take others into consideration. That's a determining factor, a primary determining factor Mm -hmm. in how we behave. So now he comes in the start of 1 Corinthians 11 or start of verse 2 um, to these two things about uh, what does it look like for Christians to do worship together, um, recognizing that worship has a much bigger semantic range. It's, it means more things than just getting together and singing and mm. praying and hearing God's word. Um, but as they're gathering together, these two issues are really, really significant, probably because they were doing some things right and they were doing some things wrong. And Paul's heard about that mm. uh, and wants to 
in some sense, tweak their behaviour, but also show them how they've gotten off track on these things. Yeah, okay. What What is the root word for worship? What does it... Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. You are putting me on the spot. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm happy to be. I'm happy to be corrected, and show the things that there are that I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Uh, In verse five, um, it's referring to women praying and prophesying. Hmm. How sure can we be that this is referring to the public church gathering? Like, how does Hmm. the verse demonstrate that the context is a public gathering and not just another time in public that women would have prayed? Yeah, uh, it's a great question, and the answer is only from the context. Mm. Um, I think the thing that we've got to keep in mind is that Paul is writing a letter to people that he knows, and as they read it, they didn't break it up into a 16-week sermon series. They they literally read it as, as you would any other letter. Mm. Um, and so things that are tied together are tied together thematically. Uh, you, you, like if, you wrote, if you're reading a letter, um, you recognize when somebody moves on to the next topic. Mm. And I think that that's what we're doing here is, is recognizing those three chapters before this have been all about idle food and, and related issues. He's shifting here. And as he shifts, as we read on to further chapters right through to 14, um, it's all tied together with this idea of your meetings. Um, and, and again, the, the, the uh, translation of the word church, we just use church to talk about who, who we are. Um, or we can talk about the church building. I'm going to church, meaning I'm going to this place. Um, the church, the word ecclesia, it's quite well known. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the gathering, the people that are gathered. Um, and that's what it's talking about, the people gathered. Um, and that seems to be the framework that Paul's working with as he deals with all of these chapters. So there's nothing, there's nothing that specifically says. Um, and there's a related argument um, there's a book called Embracing Complementarianism, um, and they define this as broad or narrow um, equality. Um, and so are these issues, specific issues that Paul's addressing and saying, okay, with regards to how women operate in church, or is there a broader function going on here? Is this how women operate within their families and in the world? Mm. Um, and so it becomes much, much bigger then because if there's if the – Distinction is not just a distinction of feminine versus masculine, but in terms of their roles and authority, if Paul's forbidding women having authority or or being subservient to male authority, you've then got to ask questions like, can a woman be a principal of a school Mm. because she's then got authority over male teachers? Mm. Can a woman be the prime minister? uh, and and it's so it becomes way 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 broader, mm. um, and it's certainly something that we need to think about. My own personal take on it is that it's it's actually specifically about people when Christians are gathering to worship, but it has implications for those other things. Okay. Yeah. That's a big topic there. <laughs> it's a huge yeah. topic. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you want the book, Embracing yeah. Complementarianism, it's just been released about two months ago. Mm. Um, and it, and I'm not saying that I agree with absolutely everything in it, but it's a mm. really, really helpful covering of what are the, what are the, the things going on in society mm. that are leading us down particular tracks? What are, what are the variety of interpretations that have um, 
led us to these different places. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I might, um, I'll put it in the show notes. Hmm. Um, and I'm going to get myself a copy, so you can borrow my copy if anyone <laughs> wants to. I've heard excellent things about that book from a number of people, men and women. Um, Ken, can you give us a summary of what biblical equality is? Hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's not a term that comes up in 1 Corinthians 11, and we just assume um, this is the the. Uh, root cause of why Paul's writing. Um, I think biblically equality is having the same value, being as good mm-hmm. as, having the same status. And so God asked the question in Isaiah 40 verse 25, who is my equal? Um, clearly the implication is nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, God is of a different class, a different status, a different ability, which then becomes the issue because we then, as as a society, particularly in the West, uh, have this idea that our value is tied to what we do, uh, what we can produce. Uh, and so if I'm restricted from doing something, well, that means that I'm lesser. Mm. Um, I think that the biblical picture of equality with regards specifically to this issue of men and women um, is, and, and this is where we come up with the term complementarian, is that to be different in what you do is not to say that you're different in value or someone's more important than the other. It's to say that there is a distinction between these two people. Um, and we recognize it on an, on every other level. Um, I am not the same as you. My experience mm. is different to yours. Therefore, we are not identical. But that doesn't change my value because you've been overseas and I haven't. <laughs> doesn't mean that I'm better than you. But why is this issue of male versus female um, so determinative of whether I have value and whether I'm okay in the world or not? Mm. Um, It's a a really sad indication of how we've allowed our society to determine things. Mm. Uh, And and there's philosophical underminings, uh, things that are are underpinning it, um, which I think are are wrong assumptions. Mm. Um, So we want to get back to this whole idea of... um, that, that people can be different in what they do, uh, in their personality, uh, in the things that they like. All of those things are completely fine, but it doesn't change that I'm just as important as you are. Mm. I think it's one of those spots in, or issues in life that we have to be so intentional about having a biblical view of that, isn't it? Because mm. uh, it, it's just such a struggle. Uh, the, the air that we breathe yeah. is very much that if we're not identical – then therefore you have imposed some kind of limitation on me. I can't self-identify as the mm. whatever it is, the thing, or I've, you've put a glass ceiling in that I can't get past this because mm. I'm a woman. Um, it, it's, it's, it's really, really unhelpful. Mm. Um, but if you start to question the assumptions, the immediate accusation is, oh, you're being sexist here. Mm. Um, you, you're, not a, you, you're not willing to accept me as your equal. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> just doesn't necessarily look the way that yeah. you have assumed it has. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about a verse that we didn't address mm. on Sunday. So verse 10, for this reason, and because of the angels, the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. What is with the reference to angels? <laughs> it was an intentional oversight, <laughs> um, thinking that it would be a distraction mm. in the in the context of what we were trying to do on Sunday. Um, the word angel just means messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so clearly it's the spiritual beings that are on God's side as opposed to demons, which are the spiritual beings on Satan's side. Um, 
why? What's this? Mm. What does this reference even mean? Mm. Um, I think in the context, it's a reminder to the Corinthians that when they're thinking about what they do, it's not about just them. It's not mm. even just about them and the others around them. They're being reminded by Paul that this, that the way that the world is, is that there's a spiritual component to mm. it that's a part of everything. And you're not to separate it and think, as long as I've got these couple of things okay, then I'm right. Um, He's saying that there's something else going on that as you witness, you're a witness to one another. Mm. You're a witness to the non-Christian world watching on. But you're also a witness at that spiritual level. And and the angels and the demons, I would say, are actually watching us Mm. and observing, "Ah, do these guys actually really follow what God wants? Mm. Or are they setting for themselves the expectations and the standards uh, and they're not actually willing to submit to him? Uh, and that's part of our witness to them. Mm, okay. The, the church is, is, is in Paul's thinking, uh, an incredible witness uh, that nothing else is capable of doing this. Yeah, right. Yeah. It really raises the, uh, it raises the stakes for what we are. So church is not something you go to. Church is something that you are. Yeah. And part of you is being a witness to the angels as they look on and they go, wow, look at that. Look at what Jesus has changed in them, that these weak little humans are capable of doing that. Yeah, okay. Mm. I often think about God watching on, but yeah, mm. <laughs> thought about the other spiritual elements. Wow. Okay. Um, our church represents a broad range of Christian traditions. Not all of us have been brought up as Baptists. If we are struggling to agree with the interpretation that our church aligns with, what would be a helpful mindset to adopt? You know, is there a danger of hanging on to the form that we have grown up with? How do we review our position biblically? Hmm. Um, I guess an opening statement is not all Baptist churches have a uh, unified response to this. Mm, Sure. Um, And so it's not a Baptist perspective that was, was... uh, preached on on Sunday, uh, and 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 just to recognise, um, and this is something that's helpful for us to recognise on an ongoing basis, is that even within the pastors and elders, there's differences of opinions on where these lines are drawn, mm. um, and in their and in their our experience, um, we've had different experiences and and are okay with different things. What we're trying to do regularly on a Sunday and then hopefully in your home groups as well, is just keep coming back to the text. Mm. Um, It doesn't matter what the great Baptist pastor from (laughs) 200 years ago said about this. What do we need to be doing? We need to be going back to the text, looking then at our culture and asking the questions, well, how do I live out this in my culture? What does Mm. it look like? Um, And so we're not... not presenting a position that says, okay, here's the bar. If you don't meet it or if you disagree with it, you need to leave. What we're doing is we're saying, okay, here's a passage that we're just going to deal with because it's the next passage in the series. Mm. Um, Let's look at it, talk about it, and hopefully start conversations that work out how do we live in obedience to God's word in a helpful way in our society. Um, and so if that means that you disagree, um, my first suggestion would be um, give the pastor a call mm-hmm. and say, hey, do you want to meet up for a coffee? Because um, they won't say no. Um, and and very, very happy to have a chat. It won't be a, it won't be an attempt to twist your arm mm-hmm. to bring you around to my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, 
I, I'm I'm very happy to acknowledge that I don't know everything, <laughs> um, and very very willing if you've got other information or another take on it um, to think through that together. Mm. Um, because there could be things in how I've presented stuff that's unhelpful. Uh, there could be unhelpful things in how you understand it that's leading you, that you're not aware of the implications of mm. them uh, and having those kind of conversations, whether in your home group with a pastor, um, is, a, is a great thing to be doing. Mm. Um, so I'd, I'd, yeah, there's, no, there's no fixed, okay, this is how it's always been and it must be like this. Mm. Uh, keep, keep the conversations going. And it's another opportunity for edification, isn't it? Yeah, to yeah, build absolutely. each other up. Yeah. So how does Wollongong Baptist make the distinction between men and women in the gathering? Mm. Yeah, so, someone was talking to me after the sermon, said, well, this is just all so complicated. Do I, do I just wear a head covering just in case so I'm safe? <laughs> um, I, I, I'd come back to my illustration that I used in the, in the first sermon in this series, um, looking at Matthew as Jesus' teaching about fasting. And he says very, very clearly, what have you got to do? You've got to put oil in your hair. Um, but as we look at it, there's a principle there. And what is he saying by put oil in your hair at the form? What's the, what's the command? Put oil in your hair because it means that you're just looking like you always look. If putting oil in your hair makes you look different to how you would normally look, actually the principle actually overrides the instruction mm. and you've got to go with the principle because that's the most important thing here. And so I think what we've got to do both with head coverings and with communion is be asking the question, what's the principle in these things that Corinth has had a particular example of going astray on? Where are the places that we in Wollongong in 2022 could be going astray from the principle? Um, and so uh, we've been talking a lot about society, um, transgenderism, um, saying that there's only one sex or you can choose what sex you are. I think some of those things are really clearly contradictory to what is the conclusion that does come out of 1 Corinthians 11. Um, but in terms of what are we doing in practice, um, I think we're just following society. Um, if you if you line all of the men up and all of the women up, there'll be a distinction in their haircuts. Uh, if you line all the men and all the women up, there'll be a distinction in the clothing that they're wearing. Now, there'll be some overlap of those two things, um, but there are culturally, like it's fairly easy to look at people and, and, and notice, okay, I know that they're male. Mm. Um, and so I think we're, we're following society in that sense. And I think in a lot of, uh, that there's, a, there's a rightness to that that Paul's actually saying in Corinth, Make sure you do it not just the Corinthian way. Make sure that you making it clear to your society uh, where you stand on this thing. Um, so, in 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 terms of what our church restricts, the only thing that are restricted from women doing in the church is they can't be an elder, mm. and they therefore can't teach publicly to a mixed congregation, the one with men and women in it. Can women teach? Yes. Uh, women can teach women. Uh, women have lots of uh, teaching roles. Uh, can women speak in the meeting? Yes, clearly he said you can pray and prophesy, but as they have those roles, there's these couple of roles that are restricted from them, um, but everything else they can do and they need to do it in a particular way. Okay. Hmm. I was reflecting on this as a woman who service leads mm -hmm. and 
most of what has been modelled to me has been modelled by men, by reformed evangelical men. Mm. And so there's a certain sort of cerebral kind of um, aspect to what happens. Uh-huh. But last time I led, I prayed for the massacre that had happened in Thailand. Mm. And I and when I introduced the service, I really wanted to draw out what was happening relationally in mm. Corinth. Mm. And I thought, I wonder if perhaps as a woman who mm. tends to be more nurturing mm-hmm. and relational, mm-hmm. if that might be an example of... Like, I almost didn't do it, I guess Mm. is what I'm trying to say, because of what's been modelled to me. I almost didn't. I thought, that's a bit gushy. Let's not go there. But that was what was on my heart. Gushy's good. (laughs) It's God's gift. I have permission to be gushy. It's God's gift to the church. (laughs) And I think that that's why he made us different, that he actually intended us to edify one another. Mm. Why should it it be all cerebral? Mm. And I guess, too, that's... It's why it's important to be yourself yeah, yeah. when you're doing anything yeah. because God has designed you this particular way, yep. whether it's it's you uniquely or because you are a male or a female mm. and whatever kind of aspects go along with that. Yeah, yeah. It's really important to... And, and so I would say that, that um, in, in our society, women wearing a power suit to work is, an, is a, a shift towards masculinity. Mm. And so if a woman led the service and she wore her power suit there... I would actually raise that with her afterwards privately and actually say, I'm not convinced that that's the best attire Mm. because what are you trying to communicate by doing that? Um, Are you wanting to say that I'm this rather than that? Mm. Um, And so just be raising those kind of questions. Yeah, okay. Um, Let's move on to the the Lord's Supper. Mm. Um, So the back half of the sermon we looked at. Yep. All the craziness that was going on. <laughs> who would have? Who would have thought? But anyway, can we talk practically about how we, in modern day yeah. now, what WBC might be gorging ourselves while others starve? Yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? That the first issue we're so quick to draw the the uh, the application to our life now in modern Western thinking and talk about equality, um, whereas the communion thing, we're like, uh, yeah, no, that's not a problem for me. Mm. Um, whereas I think that what we should be recognising is that, um, and and I would not have, uh, when when we put the series together, part of the part of the thinking is is we've got a limitation of time. How are we going to get through all of this stuff? Um, most sermon series on 1 Corinthians would actually break these two passages apart and, mm. and deal with them separately, particularly because the the issue on head coverings is going to create so much questions and debate that you need a lot of time to do it. By bringing them together, what we actually see is that, that both of them are actually um, quite related. And he seemed, Paul seems to be saying something quite different in each of the cases. Um, distinction is good. Distinction is terrible. Um, what, how can you say the same? How can you say completely opposite things mm. about an issue? And he's showing that you've actually got to think through these things really, really carefully and determine in this particular case, what's your issue and how are you going to respond to it? So in terms of gorging ourselves, I don't think anyone's uh, rushing to grab a second piece of gluten-free <laughs> bread um, and and go home and, <laughs> and be filled up on it or drink multiple cups of grape juice. Um, and so we're like, oh, well, okay, I don't 
have a problem here. But I would actually say, what's what's Paul actually, what's the principle in this? It was mm. expressed this way in Corinth that people were just ignoring what's happened to the lower people. I'll just make sure that I'm looked after. I think that's the kind of question we may need to be asking. When I go to church, when does that kind of attitude or behavior come through? When I rock up and I just park right at the front door <laughs> because I've got there on time and those others that turn up like, well, that's bad luck for them. Rather than thinking, how can I serve the others here? Oh, I'll park further around the block and walk in mm. so that those spaces are left for people that have had a real hard time getting their kids to church this day um, and, and I'll leave a space for them. Mm. Um, I think there's lots of ways that we can practically actually consider the other mm. rather than putting our own needs or desires first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it, it could be the Tim Tam at morning tea. That's the last one on the plate. <laughs> and rather than grabbing it, you pick it up and you offer it to someone. Good Christian behavior at morning tea. <laughs> um, but I think it's much, much broader than that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's have a look at verses 28 and 29 where it talks about mm. examining yourself. Can mm. you just walk us through what that? Yeah, I, I think what I was trying to correct in the sermon is, is a lot of people take these verses as I've got to go through a mental checklist of the sins I've committed mm. since I last partook in communion, uh, make sure that I've uh, confessed those things and then I'm clean enough to be able to take communion. And I don't think that that – like it's a good practice to mm. do and I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that we shouldn't do it. I think it's probably part of examining ourselves and, and preparing ourselves for communion. But I don't think that that's what Paul's talking about. I think Paul's actually saying the practice that the Corinthians had fallen into was so self-focused that they didn't think about what is this meal actually, what's the purpose of this meal? The purpose of this meal is bringing a whole bunch of people that follow Jesus together to together celebrate what he's done on their behalf, to reflect back on the past of the event, uh, to recognize that this is something that we do until he comes. Uh, So we're looking forward to the future. What does it mean for us in practice now that we're united as his body? If we're united as his body, there's no way on earth that I can just go ahead with my own private Mm. feast. Um, I'm going to do something that recognizes the other. Um, And so examining ourselves is tied to this whole idea of discerning the body of Christ, which is not, I don't think, uh, as it has been led, uh, I understand that the bread is the body of Christ and therefore what I'm eating is his sacrifice on my behalf. I I don't think that's what it's about. I think the body of Christ there is the, the gathered other Christians together who are a part of the body, which is he Paul's dropping little hints that he's mm. going to pick up on later. And as he develops these thoughts later on in 1 Corinthians, he'll talk about this whole body uh, and, and what it means for us to be different parts, but a part of one body. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, verse 30 Mm. talks about people being weak and sick and even dying um, Mm. as a result of judgment for not eating and drinking correctly. Can you expand on this? Do we need to fear death if we are selfish at church? Uh, (laughs) I I compared it to Ananias and Sapphira, Mm. um, and I think having just done a series in Acts, which has really made made the helpful distinction between descriptive and prescriptive, Mm. um, that I think that what's going on in Corinth is Uh, and and why Paul refers to it is to show us that things were happening at Corinth where God was actively judging them for their misbehavior and their twisting of the gospel. 
Um, but it's descriptive. It's not saying, and this is how God will always act from here mm. on until he returns. Um, and so I'm not expecting that all of a sudden that people are just going to start dropping like flies because, oh, we didn't, we didn't get that one quite right. Um, <laughs> but what it should do is make us think very, very seriously about uh, am I just doing what I've always done because that's been my tradition? Am I doing this because these are the conclusions I've come to mm. about what communion is? Or have I done what Paul said to stop and think and reflect on who's the body, um, examining myself, examining who's discerning the body of Christ? And so I've done the, I've I've stopped and done what he's actually asked me to do. Mm. If I'm if I'm just oblivious to those things and just pressing on because I'm, then that's exactly the the reaction he doesn't want to mm. see. Uh, and so we've got we've got to we've got to then repent of it, mm. um, regardless of whether we're going to fall down dead on the spot because it's it's a sin mm. um, if at that point um, we're doing something that's just ignoring or rejecting um, the principle that's that's been explained. Yeah, okay. Uh, you encouraged us to think deeply about what communion is intended to communicate. Mm. Are there any resources that you can point us toward to help us reflect meaningfully on communion? Yeah, um, th- this may sound a little bit trite, but my um, my first point of call would be go back and read the Bible. <laughs> um, look at it in the gospel, how it's introduced um, and spoken about. Look at the passage in 1 Corinthians. Um, look, look through and think. Um, what what is actually going on here uh, when it talks about breaking bread in the book of Acts? Uh, what are they what are they doing there? Um, and try and pull all those kind of things together yourself um, before going anywhere else. Mm. Um, I think that that kind of work pays dividends. Uh, whereas if you just go to the book on communion mm. and somebody's done a whole bunch of thinking on it, yes, it's helpful, but you may not do the you may not do all the the dirty work. Um, J.I. Packer's Concise Theology was my go-to hmm. book um, when I was teaching systematic theology in Thailand. Um, it's a really helpful summary. He doesn't go into heaps and heaps of detail, um, but he gives you some nice guidelines within which to work, um, and I always find that a helpful uh, book to reflect on. Um, TGC, uh, Gospel Coalition mm-hmm. website, um, Facebook page. Um, you can just type in communion and it'll bring up more resources than you've got time to look at. It can be sermons by great people. It can be a blog spot. It can be just a little short article. Um, they have all sorts of stuff. Um, they'd be the two easiest places, I think, to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you if you specifically want a book on it, um, just come and talk to one of the pastors and I'm mm. sure we can put one in your hands. Mm. Well, we have that, that library we, out the back, I'm sure. Do, we do have a library there. I don't know if there's a book specifically <laughs> on communion, but there's certainly, certainly books on that would talk about it. Yeah, sure. Okay. We've mentioned a lot of resources today, so I will make sure that that's all in the show notes. And if you don't know how to access them, just come and see me on Sunday and I'll show you what to do. Um, I think that's a good spot to wrap up. We could talk so much more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and honestly, the the um, the feedback from some of the home groups that have already met before we're recording this um, is that there are lots of conversations and still lots of questions unanswered. Mm. 
part of that was intentional because we are going to come to 1 Corinthians 14, which will look at this topic from a slightly different perspective again. Mm. Um, and and so we will still be dealing with it, but continue the conversations mm. and, and honestly feel free to come and talk to to me um, or other the others um, <laughs> to, to be continuing to work out how do we do this in a way that glorifies God mm. and edifies one another. Mm, wonderful. Thank you so much for that, Ken. No worries. Thank you for the time that you put into helping us think through this more deeply. Thank you, Mike, for everything you do in the background. And thank you for joining us. Have a good week and we will see you next time. This has been a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. You can listen to past sermons and deeper podcasts and also find information about our Sunday services on our website at wollongongbaptist.org.